What up, boys and girls? Welcome to the VCR Shop, also known as Vintage Cinema Repair, the only show where we take your favorite franchises and give them a facelift and bring them back to 2020. I am always your host with the most obscure and out-of-print DVDs, Mr. Chris Stiles, joined as always by the professor, the legendary Mr. Ian Clink. Say a little something to the people at home. Hello, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning on in here. Radical, radical. So today's franchise of the day is Look Who's Talking, the legendary <laughs> 1989 Amy Heckerling classic. Not enough can be said about this franchise, but we're going to try and say it all anyways. The lies, you say, sir. Tons can be said about the <laughs> this, this classic film series. But tons and is I'm not sure enough. <laughs> but tons is not enough. There should be books written about these films. They are legendary. And as always, uh, to kick it off, we got to start off with how it got started. Uh, 1989, a little comedy that I don't think was expected to do that much big business. I think it was, you know, probably fairly pushed, but man, this just became a massive hit. It was everywhere. This is one of those movies. Um, for the older folks at home, if you remember, certain movies were so big that when you got, when you finally got the VHS and you put the VHS in, there was commercials for swag of that movie at the beginning of the tape. That only happened oh, yeah. on a couple movies, and it was very late '80s, early '90s thing. But look who's talking was one of the first that I ever saw to do this. Oh, my, and my, the one I always remember, well, one was Batman. You know, and you had that great album. Oh yeah, guy, not neckties. Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, the Looney Tunes. You're talking about the Looney Tunes thing, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Looney Tunes thing I remember. The one that I also remember is the Diet Coke. Uh, Alfred gives, you know, Batman the Diet Coke. You know, he's coming through. The, the was other that one on the I tape, too? I remember that commercial. That was on the yeah. tape, too? Oh, it was on the VHS tape. I, You know, listeners, if you find differently, please tell me. But I remember that being on the VHS. I, I severely remember that. The other I'm... one I remember the most is... Uh, Last Crusade, um, the 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 choose wisely commercial where this wife goes to the kitchen, and uh, you know she's getting the diet coke, but there's all these like things, the snakes, the 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 cannibals throwing stuff at her, uh, and a guy playing Indiana Jones, which we know is not Harrison Ford, <laughs> <laughs> is is like whips and gets her, and and she brings her husband a diet coke, and he's just like, thanks, hon, click. <laughs> oh my god wow but yeah i, well, I remember, I, I, remember I do remember that you know that's coming back to me now i i guess they, i do remember that being on the tape too yeah you're right they did jones that shit right it was something about 89 because bill and ted had it too uh but i think it was oh, just for like a, okay i think it was for like a hotline or something i might be confusing uh don't tell mom the babysitter's dead that's another one that had this kind of like you know this oh, is a runaway Chris, hit like kids Chris, spend shut your, your mouth i remember that now shut your dirty mouth <laughs> yeah was what like, was that for? For babysitting? Like, what was that for? I don't, I don't remember I, what it was for, but it was just like, take, you know, give me your money. You know, that's what it was for. <laughs> it was uh, an amazing time. But, I mean, that's how big this movie was. I mean, obviously, 
You're talking about the great uh, Kirstie Alley at the height of her fame. John Travolta, who actually was kind of in need of a hit when Look Who's Talking came out. Oh, yeah. Um, this is the the pendulum is going down a little bit. This yes, is past yes, two so of the, a kind. He the was experts. kind of... experts. Oh, yes. Yeah, the experts <laughs> was a big bomb. Uh, Travolta, you know, even uh, even his high profile, uh, what movies that we regard as classics, maybe... Um, movies didn't really open that well uh perfect was a big bomb with jamie lee curtis uh, blown yeah. away blown away lost money or excuse me blowout lost money um the brian de palma movie so the 80s had not been as kind to travolta as the 70s but he ended with something very strong this performance which is tailor-made for travolta i mean he gets to oh, be it's the great yeah he gets to be a new york charming working class italian dude who gets to sing and dance and you know be a hunk and be this cool dad type it, it really it does utilize all the strengths of where travolta was at his career and a perfect role for him and interestingly um, we got to talk about Amy Hackerling, of course, who was coming off of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, European Vacation, Johnny Dangerously, um, mm-hmm. and would later go on to do uh, Clueless. Um, just a legendary, legendary filmmaker. But there's an Amy Hackerling story about doing European Vacation, where she said it was the worst experience of my life because of who I had to work with. And she's talking about Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo. She says, as many other people have, that these are two of the worst human beings I ever could have worked with. I knew it was going to be that way. And she goes, I didn't even like the script. I thought the script was a piece of shit, but I knew the movie would make money. And as a female director, you can't pass up movies that'll make money. It's the kiss of death for you. So I had to do this movie. Um, And she said, working with Chevy and Beverly was the worst experience ever. But she made up for it by working with Kirstie Alley and John Travolta on Look Who's Talking because she said they were the best people ever. It was like the perfect medicine. Yeah, which is smart advice because, I mean, you know, I think a lot of young filmmakers today will kind of look at, you know, they know the history, but they'll think that there's never a time where female directors were not a thing. No, no, there was. I mean, it was a point Mm -hmm. where Amy Heckerling, I remember listening to a podcast where she said, I was the only female director on a lot of those lots everybody else was a male director so absolutely i get everything of what she's saying of course she would take a sequel to one of the biggest comedies of the 1980s why why wouldn't you (laughs) you know even though we all know yeah european vacation is not the best one out of the series no it's everyone's Uh, choice is the weakest one no question yeah 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 oh absolutely i mean i you know but but it's still like yeah she had to take that Of course. Yeah, and it's not her fault. Smartest move ever, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, interestingly enough, I have a feeling like it's European Vacation where another story that leads to Look Who's Talking comes together. And I should uh, tell you right now um, that you can read this story in Violet Ramis Steele's book, Ghostbusters Daughter. She'll tell it a lot, uh, much more interesting way than I can tell it. It's a a Mm. very interesting story, but... Harold Ramis, uh, who was the director of the original Vacation, as many of you know him as Egon of Ghostbusters, legendary actor, writer, director, you know, did things like Striped, Groundhog Day, the list goes on and on, Club Paradise. Caddyshack. Caddyshack, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The original Vacation, I mean, you know, uh, Analyze This, The Ice Harvest, Bedazzle, you know, he's a legendary dude. Um, But he, you know, was from the 60s, so to speak. Um, so, it's different, you know, hippies, free love. 
The man happened to be in an open marriage, which I don't judge at all. Hey, more power to you if that's what your thing is. Um, live but your dreams. Live your dreams to the best. <laughs> Life is a buffet. Taste everything. I totally get it. Um, Except but, the brown sticky stuff at the end of the, the buffet. Yes. Yeah. Don't taste the stuff that people have coughed don't, on. Don't taste that. Don't. Blah. Yeah. Don't taste anything at Atlantic City liquor convention buffets, by the way. Um, <laughs> liquor show. Liquor convention buffets. Um, so well, Hale Ramis had an affair with Amy Heckerling. Amy Heckerling just so happened to get pregnant, and Harold Ramis ended up leaving his wife for another woman, not Amy Heckerling, while she was pregnant. Um, she had this, you know, she had this child, and it's funny, I'm listening, you know, I'm reading this story in this book, I'm thinking, boy, this sounds a lot like Look Who's Talking, and I guess at one point, you know, uh, Harold Ramis' daughter, who was, was, you know, aware of the situation, and she's like, well, is everything cool with you and Amy Heckerling, you know, because that whole situation, you know, she had your kid. And he's like, well, sort of. She's like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you've seen Look Who's Talking, right? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, well, you know the dick that wouldn't leave his wife? And she goes, yeah. He goes, that's me. So, Oh, you're kidding. You're jo- kidding. No, I'm not. I shit you not. The George, oh, wow. the George Seagal role in Look Who's Talking is based on Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. So oh I'm dying my. to know if she ever slapped a, di- a diaper down on a shit full diaper down on Harold Ramis's desk. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling that that didn't happen, but because um, they both seem very cool and you know not the type of people that would do those type of things. Um, and it always you have to exaggerate the villain in the movie's got to be really villainous, you know, really slimy. Um, oh, fascinating. But it's and an that's all thing. in the book. You're kidding. It's that's all, all in book. this book. And, and, you know, I thought for sure, oh, she must have had a son named Mikey, right? No, it turns out she had a daughter named Molly, which is the name of Kirstie Alley's character but, in yeah. the movie. So oh. it's a really cute uh, connection. And Molly Heckerling, folks, is a very talented stand-up comedian. Uh, you could definitely check her out on YouTube. I think her and Violet Ramis Steele both have the magic uh, that their parents had. And I expect really great things from both of them. They're both tremendous writers and tremendously funny and gifted and kind people. Um, so definitely look up both of them, uh, Molly Heckerling and Ghostbusters Daughter by Violet. Uh, Ghostbusters Daughter by Violet Ramis Steele. Definitely both worth the time. Wow. Um, but getting back to look who's talking in the film and not the stories that led to it. It is really one of the last you know blockbuster comedies of that era um and the idea of what a blockbuster comedy would be would change over the 90s um and and of course at this point in time they they were allowed to be a little bit you know more family friendly i think was was the way uh and by the late 90s that was maybe not quite as much the case mm-hmm. um but you know you have this massive success of a film and what are you going to do you're going to make a sequel of course um, and they cranked it right out. It was out like the next year. And the sequel doesn't have as much to say, maybe, as the first film. But it's still on brand and on tone. But a lot of people say stuff in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do. There is dialogue. And there is a lot of great things to be had. You get more of Travolta, which is good. Um, they didn't have as much for Kirstie Alley to do. She really shined more in the first film. 
um, and it was more her story. It kind of gets passed a little bit more onto the kids and Travolta in the second film, which is fine because the kids have great stuff to do. The potty training, you get Damon Wayne's voice cameo. You have Gilbert Godfrey, who is amazing as a god to oh us. Oh my gosh! Everybody here <laughs> worships Gilbert Godfrey. Um, who would who wouldn't want Gilbert Godfrey to be your daycare your person? Who who would not want that? It's incredible. I know. I would pay. I'd put my house in a hawk to do to have that just to hear. Like, yeah, yeah, that's great. You're just jumping around, and now you're bopping me with things. Great, wonderful. Why would you not do that? And then you have oh. like Kirstie Alley and her friend. Like, this guy's really strange. Oh, the and the great. I the one thing I do remember the most of of Luke who's talking to, of course, is the great Mel Brooks and the pee pee. Yes, I need, oh. I need my pee pee. Yeah, Mr. Toilet Man. Oh, and it's the scariest little damn thing in that whole it movie. It's freaky, yeah, dude. I was well into, like, peeing and pooping in toilets at that point, but, like, that still made me, like, I'm turning the light on before I go in, like, <laughs> just to make sure. Because the toilet man, that that's not a guy I want to meet. <laughs> now, I will say one thing I do love about the first two movies is there's a great performance, a vocal performance, by the legendary Bruce Willis. I mean, mm-hmm. this, I, you know, and, and, and what's funny is I don't think as a kid I even really recognize it. it's only later on over the years. Because, you know, this is an HBO movie. I, I would I would argue that one of the successes of people knowing Look Who's Talking and its sequel is these played on HBO a lot. You know, oh, this, this sure. is a movie that absolutely benefited from that home video market. Definitely. Uh, but but Bruce Willis, I mean his 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 vocal performance is great in this in this film. And and in both, you know, in are both gonna, yeah. Yeah, and, and people are gonna argue like Roseanne Barr, you know, people have opinions about her. I think she does great too. Like it her voice is perfect for this movie to counter that Bruce Willis suave, sophisticated Bruce Willis, you know, Mikey's so cool. No, his sister would have that great, annoying voice that would make her her and Mikey like hate each other. So on on artistic level, I think Amy Heckerling made a smart choice. Yeah. Uh, in the, in in those vocal castings, and as you were saying, even David Wayne's, you know, b- which is this is long before Major Pain or In Living Color. Oh yeah. Uh, this is this is when he's known as the the one cast member fired from SNL. <laughs> yeah, and he and, and and people don't even know that they knew maybe as the one line in Beverly Hills Cop, like. Need some bananas? Okay, take these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take these. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Maybe, maybe people had seen "I'm gonna get you, sucker." They might have recognized him from that. But uh, you're right; it's before everything else. Uh, before yeah, so Homie the Clown and Anton the Bum and you know Homeboy Shopping yeah. Network. Yeah. God, this, so yeah, this. Oh yeah, there's you know so the, the you know those are great performances of you know. And and I and I think I remember like looking up something about this that uh, you know I think Bruce Willis has kind of just improvised a lot of those comments and dialogue. Really, watched the movie. Wow, I, I believe so. I, I could be I wrong. I could see that. that. I could see that for sure. And you know, it's, you know what's, and he probably made something funnier than it actually was written out. I mean, and I'm sure that's Amy Heckerling just saying, "Hey, just have fun with it. You know, just go with it a little bit." Uh, and we which, can, which, is, which is great. And we can all be thankful that this was done before they could do CGI baby mouths and, you know, that kind of stuff. Because if it was that now, they just, everything about it would have been different. They wouldn't have Bruce Willis. He wouldn't be saying kind of R rated things, you know, as Mikey, you know, like when they show the girls cleavage. Oh, no way. You know, and John Travolta goes, You're probably thinking the same thing as I am. And he goes, Lunch. (laughs) Milk. (laughs) You know, like that's a great, that's a great line because little kids can laugh at that too. 
and then adults can laugh at that and you're laughing in different ways um there's a lot of things like that in the first movie that are great that are family friendly but offer something for adults that's a very rare thing very 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 rare combination of things in film um oh and i and i would be i would be the worst podcaster in the history of podcasting if i did not acknowledge abe vagoda oh the wonderful wonderful abe vagoda yes ashta come see my grandson ashta and he's so good at the sweet and he's so good at the cranky you know uh, they got good shrimp here <laughs> taking him to the home you know he thinks he's going to a restaurant he stole my teeth yeah <laughs> he's got the fucking chocolate all over his face that he's you know i bet but the kid's not even yours <laughs> like that's it be nice and be then nice, you totally buy nice. it when when she's wiping the chocolate off his face and he's like out of all my daughters-in-law you're my favorite you're kind and you're a good person that's why jimmy loves you like oh man that is just the sweetest old grandpa you don't care how cranky he is for the rest of the movie you're like ah, i love oh, this no. guy well because he was i mean obviously i mean that he's doing the shtick he did on barney miller you know he's doing the fish sti- you know shtick that he did for years but it worked yeah. you know it's just yeah. it's a pagoda that's you know the only time where he's very different is of course the godfather right uh, you know, right where, where, where he you know tell michael it was only business you know he's so right. serious when he says that yeah the rest know, of it right? is just great you know? It is uh, but, crazy. But, yeah, but you also got to talk about, uh, since we're on that generation, Olympia Dukakis also was fantastic in the movie. Um, oh, wasn't she the mom? Yeah, she's yeah, Christy she Alley's mom. mom. Yeah, just yeah, little da- I just remember, Daddy doesn't do that, Mom. Oh, you wish. Yeah. <laughs> just tell me something. That's not the frozen pop, is it? <laughs> oh, her. Oh, I always loved Olympia Dukakis. I mean, from... You know, that and Steel Magnolias, just right, great. Yeah. Perfor- I mean, hell, even her performance in Mafia, you know, Jane Austen's Mafia. I know? never saw that actually. Oh, it was, it was the you know, it was the Naked Gun approach to the Godfather. Oh, movie. that one, I did see that one. I didn't think yeah, you were yeah, talking yeah. about that. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, its official title is Jane Austen's Mafia. I didn't know that was the official title. I thought it was just Mafia with like an exclamation point or something. Yeah, I saw no, that in theaters. Jane like, Austen's. <laughs> I got some laughs out of that one, you know, not to not to diverge too much, but when they say hello to my little friend and a little, you know, short person walks jumps out of the trench coat with a machine gun, that's that's well, brilliant. I mean, I, and and I don't think it's the highlight of Olympia Dukakis's career. I mean, she's no, a farty right. grandmother that explodes yeah. everybody in the end. But yeah. you know, even then, I'm like, oh, that's Olympia Dukakis. Yay. Exactly, she <laughs> classes it up. <laughs> she brings that element of 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 class and reality to whatever she does. Um, well, and and I think you know the the funny part. You even talk about that moment with with her. What I love about this is Amy Heckerling made a movie that's so realistic in in its approach to to motherhood, and that mm-hmm. it's you know I, I and I love movies that do this. I yeah you know especially in the eighties. I don't think it was it was popular to showcase the difficulties of you know a single what it's mother. like to be a, to be a single mother and there you know two movies that come out about this time you know that really kind of you know show because christy alley goes through a lot i mean the mm-hmm. the father of the child denies the kid i mean and and yeah. even just to think of a moment where she grabs a toilet or, or the the you know the the diaper and you know slams it on the guy's table i mean she's out of anger and frustration and 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 the hum the humility of the whole scene uh mm-hmm. is really real it, this and yeah. um nora efron's uh baby boom you know with diane Keaton. right yeah 
uh, which is interesting because you know, Harold Ramis plays the dad or the, the 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 boyfriend who, when a baby shows up, he splits. He walks away. Yep. <laughs> so... It is such an interesting backdoor connection, and I always feel like there's a, somewhat of a connection to three men and a baby, of course, which was around the same time. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there was there was this generation of yuppies and young parent movies um or somewhat you know quasi young parent movies around that time and there was four keeps with molly ringwald was right around the same time too um oh yeah yeah the john the john avildsen film um not not his best work but uh totally respectable and it's probably true because i think around this time you know society you know was really starting to come to the point of like yes mothers can you you can have you can be a single mom you know, yeah. and it, and it was like I think you know Hollywood and a lot of these movies were really saying like, no, it's not just you know not to sound ancient or anything, but it's not it's not give up your kids anymore. It's not you know have the child and give it up for adoption. It's no keep the child. You can do this now. You know, and it was cool. Um, I'm sorry, I mean to cut you off. No, no, um, no. Go ahead. Yeah. It's it's very progressive for the time to not just have it be about a single mom. But to very much have her wear the pants throughout the whole movie in her relationship with every guy she goes out with, including James, including John Travolta's character, she's firmly in control and she's looking out for herself and her son first. And that had never really been shown in a movie. That was, you know, mm-hmm. at that point in time, you're running the risk of people, you know, being, oh, she's a total B, you know, blah, 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 you know. But I think that's a very important part of the movie. Um, I don't know. I oh, just, well, 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 it's she's an accountant. She has, she has even has a better job. She, you know, she's, she's got this, you know, she's successful. She has an account. She's like I said, she's an accountant. She has a really good job benefits, all that shit. And he's just this like cab driver. Uh, and I've heard Amy Heckerling say that when she originally wrote it, she was going to have it be a younger man who was like a law student or something like that. And that she hmm. decided against it and maybe more of a working class type of guy. And I would I not think that buy was, John Travolta as a, as a, <laughs> Oh, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been Travolta. Even as a yuppie, I don't buy John Travolta. As a taxi driver, yes. As as a as an urban cowboy, yes. I you know I you know I I buy him as a a killer. (laughs) You know, like I you know I buy I buy him as a working class man. Yeah, Um, or at least a guy who started working class. Yeah, Yeah. I buy him as Barbarino. You know, from Welcome Back, Cotter. He's a good normal guy. you know, and, and and I, you know, it's also you know that scene in the movie where she goes on the date with the accountant, who you know, Mikey pulls the wig off. Oh, I love uh, that the toupee. It's almost, yeah. yeah, it's almost like a a commentary on it too, of you know him saying like, "I love strong, independent women. I love that I'm not paying for anything. I love that you want to be that person." Um, oh yeah, for almost, sure. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because she almost hates that moment. Oh yet yeah, it's almost kind of saying to the audience hey no this is this is we're almost in the 90s people like this is okay yeah you know she doesn't have to have john travolta uh no no yeah she'd be she'd be okay without him you know you know and and almost you know it's funny to you know to to talk about this genre of you know baby you know years later i see elements in uh you know uh oh the the movie with uh tina fey and and amy poehler um, oh, baby mama, baby mama. You know, I almost yeah. see you know, baby mama is a a you know late two thousands response almost to look who's talking of saying this is what it would have been like. This is look who look who's talking now. We're, well, for we're, sure, we because... really are for sure saying no. Be a single mom. Uh, uh, 
I'm sure if that... you want to, you know, if you want to be, you know, like if you want to be a single mom, it's okay. You can do it, and that's great, you know. And I think without look who's talking, you wouldn't have movies like that, uh, you know, to emphasize that. I'm sure that's how it was pitched to the studios too, because they don't understand anything unless you can point to a pre-existing movie like it that was cheap and made, you know, cost nothing and made a lot. Um, yeah. And especially when you're talking about you know roles for women and you know women leading movies which there is still a huge you know barrier to overcome with that uh, which is amazing because look at all the fucking movies that men make about men that lose shitloads of money you know mm-hmm. <laughs> they should be looking for new ways to expand and make money but um it is what it is the studio systems uh you know they're sitting at the craps table trying to cut the odds as much as they can with uh as little as they know um but, you know, the interesting thing about, you know, the franchise is the first two movies are very strong. Even though the second one doesn't have a whole lot to say, it's really on brand still. Um, they, they, they stay true to who they are. But yep. I wish I could say the same about the third film. Oh, and my God. Oh. The third film is outside of a wink-wink couple references to the Loverboy film from 1989 that uh, Kirstie Alley was in. There is, you know, nothing, almost nothing to be um, fond about in Look Who's Talking Now. Um, so for those of you well, who don't there's, there's know... There's no point to it. That's no. the problem. It's, it's, I get the concept of why they did it, but you know, go ahead, Chris. I know you're going to explain the story. No, 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 no. Keep going, keep going. Oh, I just, I, you know, because it's, it's the dogs. You know, mm-hmm. for anybody who knows it, you know, look who's talking one and two. It's it's the kids and the inside voice, the adult inside voice of their heads talking. But then you get to look who's talking now, and the kids are older, and it's the dogs that we're now listening to. And even Amy Heckerling was like, bye. Yeah, yeah exactly. She's like, yeah, you can use my name as a producer, because just in case it does make a lot of money, I'll, yeah. I'll be there. But if it takes a beating, which I know it will, I won't be there for that. And good for her, because she knew when to get out. Um, and she didn't have anything more to say, I think. And I, and I get, you know, the thinking, oh, it's, it's a couple years older, Allie and Travolta, you know, they look maybe a a smidge older. The kids are going to have to be somewhat grown up and they won't have inner voices. They'll have outer voices now. So how do we do this? Oh, it's going to, the dogs, how genius, how genius. No, 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 not genius at all. I want to take karate. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever oh, taken yeah. karate. Every five minutes of this show, I was like, I want to take karate. I'm the type of guy, I get my hopes up too high for everything. You know, I get too excited for these things. And, you know, Cobra Kai came out and I'm like, God damn it, they're doing it to me again. I'm too excited for this. It's probably not going to be anywhere near as good as I want it to be. And it was so much better. I had expectations that were way too high and it passed everyone that I had. Man can't stand. He can't fight. It's making me watch the first movie, the second movie. It's making me watch the movies again. Yeah, I love the Karate Kid movies so much. The good guys and the bad guys and Cobra Kai, of course. It's blew my mind way better than it has any right to be. A man can't breathe. That first Karate Kid movie, yeah. yeah, it shaped the whole way that you even thought about like the sort of bully victim dynamic, the mentor mentee dynamic. A man can't see. He can't fight. 
karate was this mystical thing back then and the way this movie yeah. handles introducing it and then that becomes a theme that never leaves it's throughout the whole franchise I think that's something that makes this have a lot more emotional punch watching it older yeah these movies they're every bit as good to me now as they were as a kid and even though I know every fucking line to all three of the original movies and half the series by now it's still, you know, this shit can make me Cobra cry, man. Yeah. This franchise, the way it connected its movies, was one of the things that always struck me as a genius move. I think it was probably worth it that we did not get more Karate Kid movies for all this time, because when it came back, it came back the right way. This was worth the wait. We'll call this the beginning, man. This is the, how it starts. The beginning of Hollow Nine Dojo, or Dojo Nine. <laughs> Fear does not exist in this dojo. Pain does not exist in this dojo. We do not dream to be merciful here. This is a place of learning. This is a place of knowledge. For years we've gotten from Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. And now it's time for us to get back. It'll, it'll open up a way for us to talk about all kinds of martial arts movies. There's also, like, no way to not compare those instantly to Karate Kid. Man, face you, he is your enemy, and the enemy deserves no mercy. We teach the way of the mic. Welcome to Dojo 9. But, but you know, it, it, it's interesting, though, that it, it is a family movie. And you were talking about that. You know, this mm-hmm. is the time period of, you know, the early 90s where the the family movie you know really was a way to go. And I think, you know, we we all have to acknowledge and thank, you know, the, the adventures of Milo and Otis for this moment. <laughs> yes. Uh, but th- but you know, when Look Who's Talking Now came up, pets were everything. I mean, Bingo, Homeward Bound, uh, you know, The Incredible Journey, uh yeah. uh you know, Dennis the Menace, all these, all of these family films, the Little Rascals remake. Like this was the, I think it was made in the right time period. It just is not what the other two were. Not at all. You it's know? completely off brand. They're not in the apartment anymore because spoilers, it burnt down in the second one. Um, and so the, oh, immediately it feels very different because that apartment was like a character and New York was a character in the first two movies. New York it was is, very 80s. It was very 80s. That, 80s, that very 80s New York, you know, and and yeah. and the second one is just not that anymore. And I get that time had changed a little the culture had changed a little bit. But um, and yeah, maybe they're both successful now. Maybe they did move out to Long Island or Staten Island or some fucking place like that. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, that's not the movie. That's not what we signed up for. I don't want to go see them retire in the fucking suburbs. Just like I don't want to see Rambo retire in the suburbs. Like get them where they are. That's I don't know. There's just too many things are off brand. All of a sudden, Bruce Willis is gone. To me, Bruce Willis was the gateway drug to the movies. Like I loved yeah. Die Hard. And I was like, oh, Bruce Willis, this is amazing. I can't believe they got Bruce Willis to do this. Even at five years old, I was thinking, how did they get Bruce Willis to voice a baby? Amazing. Like, why did he say yes? Like, and it, you know, oh, yeah. the script was great. That's why he said yes. Um, now, I do remember, I do remember Danny DeVito and Diane Keaton do their best with Yes, it's not doing. their fault at all. They're both obviously. Yeah, I, and I don't, yeah, and I don't even think John Travolta's to blame. I don't think Christy Alley's to blame. You no, know, I don't think but anybody's but, to but, blame other than that this movie just doesn't fit the mold. It doesn't fit the mold you know, at all. And it was it was it's trying to put a triangle in a circle slot. It doesn't yes, work. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, even the, you know, 
I think that maybe on the desire for Kirstie and Allie and John Travolta, they loved working together. So they say, hey, you're going to give us a fucking million dollars or whatever to come make another, you know, movie where we're in half the scenes. Okay, <laughs> no problem. Yeah. You know, half the shit's just you guys running around with dogs and I'm in my trailer. Like, yeah, that sounds fine by me. Um, so I get their desire to do it. But the real, the biggest failure of the movie for me is the stuff with her and James. Um with Molly and James because it's just I don't want to see him getting seduced by some like weird British billionaire woman that just oh yeah Lisette Lisette Anthony now we're talking now, yeah see, yeah I loved her her performance is actually worth noting too I actually like Lisette Anthony I, I don't think, think I I think I think I've liked her more in almost any anything else I've seen her and no offense to her but I don't think she was given much to work with it's pretty hokey the dialogue's real bad so oh yeah it, well, it, well it's but, but hard again, to... for a kid for a kid movie it's gonna be you know too yeah so that's I, true you know, I, but but then again the second at the same time the second film you have uh and i forgive me if i pronounce his name wrong uh elias codius uh, who's you know is casey jones from ninja turtles um as molly's brother Mother freaking casey jones yes uh, and he was amazing oh and that gosh. dial you know his dial you know there's i mean in the first two films there's a lot of shit for adults you know he talks about the village and the punk rockers and he's wearing a metallica shirt and shit and like you know you could tell he's a crazy gun nut like super conservative guy even though he goes to like punk rock shows and you know it's an interesting foreshadow <laughs> actually of the future you, you could see yeah. uh, you could see the makings of a of a confusing trump voter in in his character um <laughs> but uh not to get too political but um you know there but there's things in there for adults and there's just nothing for adults in the in the movies and the biggest betrayal of all is you take molly from being the breadwinner the strong one the you know the 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 real leader of the family the patriarch and you make her a backseat you know unemployed housewife mm -hmm. you have her get fired that's so dissatisfying it's like watching rocky get ripped off by his accountant i don't want to see her get fired from her stable ass accounting job why the fuck you know if anyone should get fired it should have been john travolta and that could have been more interesting arc to explore for that film but you know leave the goddamn dogs at home you know and, and correct me if i'm wrong isn't he an airplane pilot now Yes, now he's transitioned fully to pilot, which is like the which arc of the... Which is totally... That's just John Travolta saying, I want to be a pilot. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I guarantee John, you... John Travolta is a pilot. That, that's I, all that is. I guarantee you that, that was there was no pilot shit in the first film until he came on. He was like, what if we... You know, he's a, tech, he's a cab driver, but he dreams of being a pilot. Like, that's, you know... <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm sure they had to make that caveat for him and write the one scene in the plane, you know, which is just... A plane against a backdrop or whatever it is you know um but yeah you're definitely right about that a lot of actors do that shit they put like their flavor of shit you know in um in things uh in their movies and their work um but yeah it's you know it's a shame this franchise ended where it did and not one film sooner but uh, while we're on the topic, uh, it's a good idea to start talking about what we would do or how we would bring ah, yes. something like this back for 2020, which I do think you could do in a phenomenal way. And I have a pretty good take of what I would like to see. Um, I'm wondering, though, uh, what before I dig into it, if you had any thoughts on what you would like to see from a Look Who's Talking movie. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting thinking about this series. I mean, I mean, how many ripoffs of you know this what we had i mean there was the, the the classic was you know making this into a, a a tv series called baby talk 
Uh, That's right. They did do that, didn't they? Which which was supposed to say, look who's talking, but the producers wouldn't do it. So they created a whole different show that was the same exact concept, uh, wow. you know, but but wasn't called Look Who's Talking. Everything um, became a show back then. Bill oh, yeah, and Ted, yeah. No, Fast absolutely. Times, Look Who's Talking, Parenthood, yeah, Uncle just, Buck. Yeah, that, like, if it's a success, you make it a TV show because, you, you know, it's it, the brand. Um, mm-hmm. But then, like, you, but you look at anything. You look at baby geniuses, and, and you look at other movies like that. That uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what was it? The Alec Baldwin was the voice of the baby. Three uh, D oh, movie. I, even, I, I can't remember I what. See that? That's that's sounds... Baby Boss. Baby Boss. That was the Baby Boss. Um, oh God. So for me, I mean, the uh, the obvious way to 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 do Look Who's Talking, just as the franchise itself, to get it back on track, would have to be Mikey's kid. Thank I mean, you. it have it it has to be Mikey's kid. Exactly. Who, is now a mixture of the Travolta character and the Christie character and all this stuff. The only issue I have is that there's two ways they would go about that movie. All right. Mm-hmm. One is Allie and Travolta do not look like they did in 1993. We all know that. Right. But they would put them in the movie for either one scene mm-hmm. or they'd put them in the whole entire movie. They wouldn't have a middle ground. And Either way, I think is awful because I remember you know they remade yeah. Vacation a couple years ago and they put Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo in one scene and I thought no. God. I mean, that's a whole podcast in itself. That is oh just, I know that, I know that but, movie so that should have been fucking Anthony Michael Hall starring in that Vacation I know, reboot, I know. not Ed. Helms. You know so so you could get Travolta and Christie Alley to do it. I think you could, but I think it would have to be almost a reversal of the first movie. But I think it would still have to be Mikey is now a divorced dad. You know, a divorced, a divorced, like. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. Mikey's a, yeah, some, Mikey's a single dad. Absolutely. Yeah. No or question. some tragedy happens to the mother during birth or, or, or something, you know, not too tragic. You know, you don't want to show it, but you just get the feeling of it. Yeah. And now Mikey's all on his own. And so part of it is him trying to find, you know, as much as a 2020, it's not a, a, a way to go about it, but almost he needs to find a mother, right. you know, and, and my hopes is what they would do, though, is make it so it, the same message that we kind of had for the first movie. Mm-hmm. You don't need a mother. You can be the dad. You can provide for this child. You could actually be a nurturer as a, a male figure. Yeah. Um, and it's this baby figuring it out, too. You know, hey, where is the mom figure? Where, you know, I can see Mikey's kid being on the playground and looking at all the mothers, and it's, you know, Kevin Hart's voice or, you know, The Rock yeah. or somebody, you know, totally. you know, somebody who, you know, somebody that kids would recognize uh, voice wise. Um, to... And I think the key, um, oh, sorry. No, I was just saying to, to, you know, do that, to emphasize, you know, well, I see all these moms. Where's my mom? And then yeah. at the very end, you know, that that child understands this is my dad. This is this is I need loved. That's it. You know? Yeah. Well, maybe the child, you know, that's the thing I think that, that I like about the first film, too, is that he wants James to be his daddy. And you want it for Mikey more than you even want it for Molly, you know, and you want it for Molly, too, because, you know, you've seen everything she's gone through in the first film. Mm-hmm. But um Really, you want it for Mikey the most. At least I did as a kid watching it. You know, obviously I was five when the first one came out. I definitely identified with Mikey more than anyone else. Oh in the yeah, film. yeah. 
Um, the older I get, the more I feel like, uh, you know, cab driving Travolta, but uh, just nowhere near as <laughs> handsome. Um, but, you know. Hey, you want I, a lettuce? You take it off? It's good again. Hey. Yeah. Just because it's free don't mean it's no good, right? <laughs> hey, look at this can here. Could be peaches, could be lunch meat. Who knows? And they belt. <laughs> then I tell you we'd live like kings, baby. That was great. Those dream sequences are great, too. And those are, you know, those are done so poorly in the third film. Um, that's an element I would bring back. You know, I would have Mikey's nightmares. Mikey's subconscious as an adult. Um, you know, uh, again, yeah, he's successful. He comes, you know, to be a dad. Either something tragic happens to the mom. Or maybe uh, he's the godparent of a kid. And both, you know, the parent, maybe he had, you know, some kind of kid that doesn't even have to be his natural born son. You know, um, and that could be fine. But yeah, the message that like you can be a caring nurturer as a dad would be a good message to explore. Uh, and but who is the voice? That's the thing. Yeah, do you, that is the ultimate question. You know, could you have Bruce Willis be the voice of Mikey's son? That probably would be confusing. So you probably have to find a new voice. Who could be the voice of Mikey's kid? Um, and looking at you know who the you know top comedic people are right now. Bruce Willis was becoming an action star at the time, but he was still uh, had an extensive background in comedy. Yeah, the moonlighting years. The moonlighting still, years, exactly. Fresh in people's minds, absolutely. Yeah. So you you definitely don't want to like go with Jason Statham or The Rock. You know, uh, you want to go with a comedian. You want to go with someone funny, and, and you know, obviously Kevin Hart is uh, huge right now. Will Ferrell is always you know a big name in comedy. Um, Please don't go with Adam Sandler. I love Adam Sandler, but I hate when he does silly voices <laughs> as, like, the whole time for a movie. Um, but so. Sandler would actually be good as an adult Mikey in a weird way. I, I mean, I, I could actually right, buy Mikey. Right, but it'd just be big daddy, though. You know, it, we've, I, we've yeah, you're that. right. You're right. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And, you know, I hate to say it. I come from, you know, the 80s and 90s. I love Sandler, you know, and his good stuff. But his time is kind of past. He's just sort of cranking out Netflix turds now. So, um, <laughs> no offense. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, the man's still a legend. Chris, um, he doesn't care all the way to the bank. <laughs> I, know you're, I know you're listening, Sandman. Uh, <laughs> you go. You go, Sandman. You, you yeah. cash that check. I don't That's care right. who you are. Yeah, fucking hell. Oh, absolutely. Get that money, dude. I don't judge. Get Fuck that it, money. Dude. Everyone. Yeah, I love, you know. I want I the pee pee. I want the pee pee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mel Brooks, you get that money too, man. Um, <laughs> all these fucking dudes. I love them all. But um, yeah, you know, I think those are good themes to explore. I would totally do that. Uh, and then, you know, who's, the, yeah, who's the voice of Mikey and who is the girl? Who is your female John Travolta? Um, who could come in? Oh, it would definitely be like an Emma Stone or it would be, you know, somebody of that nature. But you know what would be great? I just thought about this. This could mm -hmm. be cool. What if it's the two kids, the two babies, talking to each other, trying to get the parents to connect? Now, mm. that could be fun. It's almost a parent trap-ish thing. Yeah, it sounds they're a little... Trying to... I'm thinking it takes two, the Olsen twins. It's just, uh, I don't know. Maybe... Uh, great movie. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, great I, I, 90s. And that also has Kirstie Alley, so it's uh, oh snap, that was Kirstie Alley. And so man, I think you're, yeah, I think who's yeah. the guy? It's Gutenberg, and... which is funny. It's like you literally the just Goot. It's the, the Goot. spare parts. It's the spare the parts baby Goot. movies. You got the guy from Three Men and a Baby, the girl from Look Who's Talking, and the kids from Full House. You know, the baby <laughs> twins from Full House. That's what that oh, movie is. That's man. I love. 
we could do a whole podcast on movies that are made from of spare parts from other movies. Hughes had a couple of those. She's having a baby. That is a total fucking spare parts canister. Every like oh, thing that God, was jettisoned yeah. from his other movies is in there. The he fucking, just threw right into a script. Absolutely, dude, yeah. Absolutely, it's got but bacon that, and Aykroyd and Martin and candy and you know can, the car, the Ferrari. Oh, anyway. But I could see that. I could see that though. Like I could see the babies trying to plot to 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 bring as as long as like I said. I think the 2020 message though for that movie would be for it not to work, and that they're okay by themselves. I do think that would be a studio head saying, "Don't. Hmm. This doesn't need to be a get together movie." You know, I I do feel that that would be something that they would they would kind of put in place from the get go, with whatever script that was. Um, now the other thing just, you have I to just think that's a good message for nowadays. I think that's what people want to kind of have the messages be, um, because Another you know thing... in a weird way the, the 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 look who's talking movie does kind of emphasize. Well, at the very end, you do need somebody. You know, right. <laughs> you know? and you know here's here's some other interesting wrinkles. Um, you know, who plays Mikey and what do you do with Julie? Cause you can't just pretend that Julie wasn't a thing. You know, you have to have Julie in the movie and probably fairly prominently. Um, you know, she probably has to play a, you know, a big role in the film in which, yeah, yeah. Julie would probably have a few scenes. I probably, I think that being if they, if Mikey's an adult, she wouldn't be that prevalent. I, you know, she, I think she would be the one who gives him the advice he needs to hear at one yeah, point. Yeah. She's the best friend. She's the, yeah. um, the the redhead uh, for Miss Geist from Clueless, who's also in Look Who's Talking, you know she's the one yep. who you know would see, you know the scene where they see Alfred cheating in the fucking dressing booth. You know she's the person who would be there for that scene. It would definitely be Julie. Um, yeah. And and I like that you know him and Julie. It was kind of progressive that they were only technically half brother and sister. They had different daddies, um, different baby daddies. And I, I think you could mm-hmm. explore that in in a way in this movie that you know. The, the, maybe he, the kid's not even his or something, you know, but he was like, he was with a, a single mom for a while or something. She died and, you know, and now he's stuck with this kid, whatever. Just kind of happens to him by, by happenstance. Maybe he's a godparent, whatever. Um, and I think, <laughs> and I think that, <laughs> could, that could make title, it so that Chris. you could make it like Kevin Hart could be the kid that way too, yeah. you know? Um, oh, and then perf- that perfect, could be kind of Perfect funny. title. Perfect What's title. That? Look who doesn't talk. Like who doesn't talk? Because Mikey's it's Mikey. It's a, you know. See that's the thing. This movie's about Mikey now, so he's not talking anymore. Uh, you know, you'd have to come up with some witty title. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to call it "Look Who's Talking for." Um, <laughs> Look and, who's and talking. Spell F O R, and it would totally Look be that. Talking Look who's again. talking. F O R. That's totally what the studio <laughs> would do. Look who's talking for. Yeah. You know. You know speak up you know look who's talking speak up version yeah <laughs> yeah you're right and they, you know they definitely would not put a roman numeral on it which is no. um you know they're 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 cowards well um, that's the one thing i will give the third movie look who's talking now was actually kind of a smart kind of that was kind of smart i the I title have, the I title to... yeah it, with the dogs on the cover it tells you what's happening you know yeah Ooh, it told it it totally worked in now. that yeah it yeah. totally worked in that sense in that sense, yeah, and it, it really would be "Look Who's Talking" for F O R. You know that that would be what the <laughs> yeah. studio would do. Look who's talking for. Um. But no, I do agree. I do agree. It would have to be a mixture of you know, Mikey would have to take over the. So really, you would be remaking the first movie. It's just Kirstie Alley's now Mikey. 
Uh, no, Kirstie Alley's Olympia Dukakis now. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and and Mikey Mikey's, is now in the Kirstie Alley role, right. and you know, Emma Stone would be the 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 John Travolta role. Uh, and, you know who you could know, be good. You know who could be good as the John Travolta role. Now that I think about it, actually, um, do you know a singer named Janelle Monet? Janelle Monet, I do not. She is a very talented R and B singer, and she's an actress. She was in a few movies. She was nominated for an Oscar. I want to say she was in Hidden Figures. I'm looking it up right now, just to be positive. Um, but the point is, you know, Travolta has that sing and dance charm and that kind of free spirit, like fun, loving, happiness vibe. You would kind of want someone to capture that, you know? Um, oh yeah. Well, cause the whole point, you know, mothers do tend to, you know, it's that whole thing of like, you know, mothers inherit to the son. And so, yeah, he would inherit a lot of Christie Alley in that, you know, in that, that perspective later on. Oh, for uh, sure. Would the dogs talk though? Would you throw that in there just as that little nugget for the fan? I would actually, if it was up to me, she wasn't hidden figures, um, by the way. Um, oh, okay. I would throw, <clears throat> I would actually make it my point to throw a fuck you little wink into look who's talking <laughs> now. Like, you know, uh, like almost something where like Julie says like, oh, like that was the summer that we took Roxy and uh, whatever. Rox and uh, what was the other dog's name? Daphne. That's right. Daphne was the other dog, and look who's talking now. Um, but I would throw, I would throw a line where it's like, you know, like, hey, remember, remember, that's the same year Rox and Daphne died. Like, what are you talking about? Ah. We never had a dog named Rox and Daphne. Like, look to the camera. Like that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Just to retcon. I hate retconning, but I would retcon that motherfucker. Uh, how did Disney not sue though? It's Lady and the Tramp. I mean, they flat out make it so it's known as Lady and the Tramp in a way. Yeah, I don't know how out, Disney yeah. didn't sue, you know. Uh, uh, you know, it's funny. Disney is very litigious, you know. I don't know how they didn't sue either. Um, if it was Universal, they definitely would have sued at that point in time. I think Disney oh, Disney doesn't need to sue. I think they can just fucking... They could basically print money at this point, you know. They own everything. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they own this conversation right now somehow. <laughs> <laughs> All hail the mouse. All oh, hail the, the mouse. Yeah, fucking <laughs> Simpsons knew. Simpsons knew it was going to happen. But I think that would be kind of interesting. Maybe if, you know, Mikey... I don't know who would play Mikey. That's really tough. Because um, who's like the male equivalent of Kirstie Alley now? Who's like someone that people like, you know... Um, well, you'd have to get around. a TV... You'd have to get a TV star if you're going to do that. Because that's, that's the beauty about... You consider stories. her... She was... You considered Kirstie Alley at that point a TV star? Prior oh, to yeah, well, cheer, well, yeah, because, you know, Cheers, that was that was her big thing that's at true. that moment. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, she was in summer school and a couple other things, you know. Yeah, but Star I Trek think that film, was... Rathacon. Yeah, that was, that was the, the early stages. I think by the time she was a lead star, she was a lead star because she was the star of, you know, Cheers. Cheers, yeah. Um, and right. I, anybody who watched it knew, oh, that's the Cheers girl, you know. Yeah. Uh, just like with Travolta. Oh, it's the Saturday Night Fever guy. I mean, you're always known for yeah. that one thing, you know, that that you know transcends everything else. And they're um, just some of those roles where you're just you, you you actors don't even have a name. Like Sean William Scott is Stifler forever. Christopher Mintz oh, yeah, yeah. is McLovin forever. Forever. You know? Yeah. They'll just uh, always what's be his name Napoleon what's his name's Napoleon Dynamite. I mean you're yeah, always John gonna Hedder, be yeah. yeah, John Hedder is gonna be Napoleon Dynamite. Absolutely. Yeah. Um yeah, you know, and the interesting part is, you know, look who's talking now is the last movie he did right before Pulp Fiction. 
And there's the Bruce Willis connection to that too, which I love. And there is, which is so fascinating, you know, like like because that was the big, that was the second boom of the Travolta. That was uh, the real comeback movie, yeah. Because look who's talking oh, didn't lead yeah. to anything else for him. He still did no, a few other things no. that just you know tanked. You know that he got a he almost got a free pass, you know, for a while based on look who's talking and didn't know how to use it. Um, yeah, he knew how to use the pass after Pulp Fiction for sure. No, no yeah, question. yeah, and well, you know, I think enough time enough time had passed that it it was a redemption. You know, same thing with like you know Robert Downey Jr. Uh, as Iron Man. Mm-hmm. There was enough time in between there that you know, I, I think audiences will forgive you if there's time. You know, you know it, the interesting and, and I, thing is I don't know how much time there truly was because I feel like um, let me just check here. Look who's talking was ninety three. Pulp Fiction was ninety four. Or look who's talking now. The third look who's talking was ninety three. So yeah, the low point of Travolta's career, which I think is probably look who's talking now, um, and it goes right into Pulp Fiction. Yeah, a year later, which is amazing. It, it's like enough time had passed since Saturday Night Fever. In Greece and that kind of shit, you know. Well, I think um, people have just written him off. Uh, and, yeah, and and so he, I think Amy Heckerling gave him an opportunity to show comedy. You know, that was I think before nobody really gave him a comedy. I mean, we saw him in Welcome Back, Cotter, but after that, as he's into Carrie and he's into uh, you know Urban Cowboy and all these, it was just John Travolta serious. Even those those movies that bombed, you know, Two of a Kind and and Perfect. I mean, he's he's yeah. serious. He's not funny uh, yeah. in, in any of those. And now, fun, finally, he went back to funny, and I think audiences loved it. They're like, oh my god, yes, you know, you know. That's why I think yeah. Wild Hogs is such a is actually a good movie. I mean, it. I, I liked people Wild People have Hogs. opinions. Yeah, people have opinions on it, but they're really funny guys. You know, yeah. and when you get John Travolta doing comedy. I don't know about old dogs. I haven't watched that one. Yeah, I haven't uh, watched that one, yeah. But it works. You know, it just it just works. I love him in, you know, Austin Powers, you know. <laughs> he shows up in that when one does little he show scene. Austin Powers. John Travolta. Oh, he has a cam- Yeah, he has a cameo of the uh, um, gold member, you know, when, uh, when it turns into the movie and he turns around and it's John Travolta. You know, I only really saw Goldmember, I think, once when it was in theaters, and I loved the first two, and man, that just, Goldmember almost ruined the whole thing for me. Um, oh, that's, okay, Austin Powers is going to be one. We're going to do a, a VCR on Austin Powers. That, that, oh, that, that's I'd love a series to. that should go yeah. somewhere. But yeah, I, I just, I, you know, you look back at these movies, and, and for being such a, and I do think history acknowledges, like for Look Who's Talking being such a small movie, it did have an impact and did change a lot of stuff. I mean, I just like you were saying earlier, I think it did bring into the 90s the family feature film. I think I think it I think it welcomed it. Uh, yeah, in, in definitely. A, in a it paved way. it definitely paved the way for Home Alone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean they it was it was it was now families want to get together. And I do think it's because of that. It's cuz you know families are watching HBO now. They're they're renting movies at the at the you know at the video store and to be honest you know our dads probably are like oh yeah john travolta i know okay yeah i'm I'm okay with that you know or 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 the smart move of having the star from cheers that was such a huge show in in the in 1989 i mean it was the sitcom you know at the time yeah oh totally yeah it was yeah amy heckerling was not dumb she was smart in in what she did with that yeah 
And it's interesting, you know, we could do a whole one on uh, old sitcoms and stuff too, a whole podcast on that as well, uh, especially sure, yeah. TV in the 80s in general, how much it changed. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, wrapping it up on the Look Who's Talking movies, you know, the legacy they have left is, you know, I tend to remember the good parts and I forgive them for the bad parts because they're all really <laughs> decent, nice people. Like everyone has nothing but kind things to say about Kirstie Alley and Travolta and they're friends still to this day with almost everyone they've ever worked with. Um, that says a lot, you know, Chevy Chase yeah. and Beverly D'Angelo, uh, cannot say that. Um, and you know, again, Amy Heckerling, if it wasn't for these movies, she would not have made Clueless. And Clueless is one of those cultural defining movies that, like, if you want to know what the 90s was like and you only have a couple movies to show someone, Clueless would probably be up there in that top five, you know, just 90s pop culture movies, you know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. This is what, you know, the very mid, perfect picture of the mid 90s. This is how teenage girls talk. This is what teenage guys were like. This is how they dress. This is California, the epitome of cool and style and culture and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. And, you know, Amy Hackerling, I, you know, I wish she was doing more now. I haven't seen any of her more recent work, but um, it's. Well, and I, I, I think that's just more, you know, the the classic it's a young man's game you know and yeah, I'm not I guess, using that yeah. term but I but, but I think you know Emmy Emmy Heckerling had her real strong period um, oh for sure yeah and I, I mean and I've heard longer than most of, too oh I mean, yeah and I've heard her do some podcasts and she's a she's a fantastic advice giver when it comes to filmmaking and so you know I you yeah. know if any Hollywood executives are listening you know what the kid at twenty two will get his chance give Amy Heckerling another chance I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, even even if you have to, you know, go back to Look Who's Talking or Clueless, you know, or even another Johnny Dangerously, just, you know, give her a fucking $10 million check to direct a great film, please. And now she the deserves executives it. have shut off their ear because you mentioned Johnny Dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to live dangerously. <laughs> we can all be thankful oh. I didn't sing it. But uh, I think... <laughs> I think we have said what we have to say about the Look Who's Talking franchise and how to bring it back in a fun way um, and kick things off. Some of these things can come back in a a strong way, and I think Look Who's Talking is definitely one of them. Um, They left some good stories on the table, and there's no reason they couldn't be told now. So another thing, studio people, start cutting some fucking checks, you know. Get some writers. (laughs) Call up Molly Hackerling and Violet Ramis Steele. Tell them to write Look Who's Talking For, F-O-R. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) With an exclamation point. And a a paw print dotting it now. Mine is definitely Look Who's Not Talking. (laughs) Look Who's Not Talking. Yep. It's a silent film. (laughs) That's right. It's an artistic finet at the very end of that film. Oh, uh, Jesus, I'd love it, yeah. <laughs> it's Mikey walking around with a beret and just black and white and, you know, sad, sad Paris music. <laughs> and and get uh, get uh, Downey to, to, like, redo his Chaplin performance and just not talk, though. But silent <laughs> Chaplin this time. The one thing we haven't seen him do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, crazy stuff. But uh, anyway, I think that pretty much wraps it up for the Look Who's Talking talk, so... Pretty soon, look who's not talking is going to be me and Ethan about this <laughs> franchise. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in, guys. As always, if there's a particular franchise you want to see us revive, you want to see us fix, 
let us know shoot us an email comment section wherever the people do these things i don't know call 1-800 don't tell mom the babysitter's dead and uh, <laughs> we will answer and, all and your get a diet coke and get a diet coke <laughs> and yeah get yourself a diet coke and uh be the choice of the pepsi generation folks <laughs> and don't bow down to corporate sponsorship you know be 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 ram tough <laughs> Oh, man. Well, for VCR, this is Ian Klink saying, save the 25 cents. Be kind to rewind. (laughs) Oh, man. I wish I had a cool close now. Uh, All I can say is be excellent to each other and, uh, you know, party on. You've been listening to the Hollow Nine Network, bringing you the very best in fan-made media. That's the word hollow, the number nine, I-N-E. Now broadcasting from our new home on the web, hollow9.com, where you can find info on all of our awesome programming as well as the team behind the shows. Leave us your feedback, join in the conversation, and be a part of the action. Find the Hollow Nine Network on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. Email us at info at hollow9.com or at hollow9podcast at gmail.com. Join in the fun. Hollow Nine. I don't know if you think making me repeat myself is going to somehow make the story change or if you just don't want to hear what it is I actually have to say. But again, we changed course based on orders received on the flash band from company headquarters. Code gold, command eyes only, standard operating procedure as I know you are aware. We didn't just decide out of the blue to extend our trip by 18 months. LV-324 is well outside the standard commercial shipping routes, even under expanded jurisdiction. Search and rescue would rarely venture into an unregulated area without more concrete proof of life. We sure found something out there already. When you watch it as a little kid, you know it's a monster movie, it's really creepy, but then there's all the weird artificial intelligence stuff, there's the like rapey nature of the facehuggers and all that. Why don't you stick your face in the egg, dude? Is there an egg opening in front of you? Stick your face in there and see what happens. When I fall asleep at night, I have this irrational fear that something is going to crawl inside and like lay eggs inside of me. I'm actually wondering, <laughs> now that we're talking about this, if this might have been the impetus for that. You know, Star Wars comes out and they go, what other movies do we have set in space? Boom, Alien gets green light the next day. Very similar to just even how our government is in preparation for something where they didn't know exactly what was in store, like specifically xenomorphs. Bodily fluids, and it's not just blood. There's a lot of like grease and there's a lot of sweat. And if it wasn't the blood that got me, it was the sheer amount of sweat. We're on a mission to bring back knowledge of the xenomorph. The end of all mankind, all wrapped up in a bow, just waiting for us to come along. And you want to bring one home for your friends in the weapons division. Merry fucking Christmas, right? Will you go ask those badass mothers that came back from 324 with me about that? Right there, all of splattered all over the walls of the escape pod. Be my guest. So you can keep trying to make this about negligence, about insubordination, about chain of command and regulations, but when you're done with all that bullshit, you're going to find yourself staring down the barrel of a living, breathing devil in the flesh that bleeds acid and lives to kill us.